Welcome to episode 82 of Forging a Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And how you doing, buddy? Doing good this week. I just feel like I feel like I'm in like Kansas or something, and I have this beautiful ranch house, and I open the door and I walk right into the biggest tornado you could ever imagine. That's essentially what I feel like went down this week. It was just one chaotic event after another. So getting my head wrapped around it is difficult. Yeah. So that was me last week. So we didn't have an episode last week because of that same thing happening over here. It's just one, it was a short week um, with, 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 uh, I went camping over the week, over that, over that weekend and having Monday off, um, made it four day week. Well, I still have eight days of work to do in four days instead of five days now. So it, uh, we were here like Nate and Dusty were here with me one night till about midnight. Uh, I was here pretty late a few other nights and, and uh, every minute during the day I was busy too. So I was, I think we both were just like, yeah, let's, we'll call it and not have an episode this week. So we apologize for not having one last week, but uh, we're back and we're actually supposed to meet. It's about one o'clock. We normally do this at, I don't know, eight. But uh, Jared's Mr. Sleepyhead. He was working late last night. And so this morning didn't work out. <clears throat> I almost yeah. wonder if we weren't going to get an episode this week. Because then we started talking about, well, what about this day or that day? And the rest of our week is pretty much shot. Yep. So we have a few hour window here that we're, we're fitting this episode in. Yeah, it's, man, I don't even know how to describe this year without repeating myself like that's the thing i'm trying to i'm always trying to say something a little different you know i don't want to sound like a broken record but it it just really truly feels like this was just a cyclone this year like we were thrown into a blender there's a lot of good stuff that came out of it oh yeah but at the same time it's like holy cow well and i've to be honest i've gotten used to the craziness and i'm loving it so i actually I don't, I don't want it to, I don't want it to go away. We, we've seen a little bit of a slowdown this, this last week, but the last couple of days ended up have actually kind of picked back up. So I don't know. I can't say that, that we've really truly seen any lengthy of a, of a slowdown. Yeah. We did a little bit in August. August was, but historically speaking, um, unless departments are buying larger orders, which sometimes happens in August, August is kind of, one of those months where it, it calms down just a little bit, just enough for you to get a breath for September to come and kick your butt. Yeah. And so far that's ringing true even more so than in previous years. Yes. And that's, well, and we were just kind of talking last week or like, you know, maybe this is the calm before the storm and we could actually, it would be nice to have some calm so we can get actually get some stock built or basically all summer we've been just been, building to order nearly as soon as we get our bins filled with products they, they get emptied again and just because we we can finally take some people off of building and get them on some other things we need done well as soon as we do that we get wiped out yeah that's kind of <laughs> i just have to laugh just because that's been this experience 
all year. Every year we we get into the upcoming year and we're like, okay, it's January. January is a slow month. We are going to build ahead six months of inventory. And then we burn through that in a month and a half. And it's like, oh, so we're going to play catch up the entire year. So that's the game. Got it. Cool. <laughs> and and I, I know we've, we've talked about this before, so we probably need to go, go on at length about it. But then the question is, how how much do you scale? Because because you don't want to keep going at capacity or even a hair beyond capacity for too long. Uh, like you, you want to be able to get ahead a little bit and be able to stay ahead a little bit. So to, in order to do that, it means you got to scale. You got to hire people or buy machinery or or you know make growth steps. But just with everything that's going on, like is this? I hate I hate this term, but it makes sense. Is this a new normal? I don't know. Yeah, that term didn't ever bother me before. It, yeah. it just it bothers me. It's yeah. it's overused. <laughs> it's, and it's used it's used for the right reasons. Like we should be bothered by a lot of the new norm. But as far as business goes, at least our businesses, uh, it would be nice if this was going to be the new normal. So. Yeah, I. I just sitting here, uh, you know, trying to keep track of the orders that we have open because we have a lot of big freight orders um, that are open right now as we speak. And it happens a couple times a year where we just, for whatever reason, there's a dozen customers that are like, I need to buy 20 targets and each one of them wants big range orders, sometimes more than that. And so then we've got all these skids floating around in the shop trying to figure out, you know, who our guys like Mark and Ethan have it under control, but I walk into it. I'm like, Holy crap. I hope you guys have a system in place because I don't even, yeah, I, I can't even wrap my head. Like I walked into shipping today and I was just like, man, I'm really thankful Mark's there because there's skids, there's skids of cardboard targets going out plate racks like this, this month was plate rack month. And I don't understand necessarily why, but it's like, I can't tell you how many customers reached out to me and they're like, Oh, we want to quote on a dozen eight apps. And I send them the quote for the dozen eight apps or whatever. And then they're like, Oh, well we still have money to spend. Uh, how about you throw in a plate rack or two? <laughs> I'm like, or two. Or two? <laughs> yeah. Now for everybody, you know, listening, like the, the Phoenix is our most expensive product by far. And with all the upgrades and stuff, it ends up being around $2,200. So when, when a customer's like, yeah, throw a plate rack or two on there. It's like, it, it's a big deal. You know, it's, it's cool. But the Phoenix is also 10 feet long. It takes up a ton of space. We have a very efficient process for manufacturing them now, but they it inevitably they're sitting here for a week before we can ship. And so when you've got a dozen of them on the floor, you know, you take up, you can easily take up 500 square feet just or more just with Phoenix plate racks. Cause you can't yeah. stack them on top of each other. So it, it's been really cool. Um, we had a, a really big job that Ethan is actually, you know, a business partner is actually in Georgia installing as we speak. So that was a pretty cool experience, a pretty cool learning opportunity. Uh, we definitely learned a lot there. This was a, uh, probably one of our larger jobs that we've ever done. And 
yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's really good. It's, it's awesome. Not without trials though. I mean, one of, for me personally, one of the biggest things that I've been trying to work on is all of managing our different team members. Cause like my, I, my heart literally beats for like creating media and videos and photos and things like that. But I've stepped back temporarily from doing a lot of that to really invest time and energy in our team. Um, some of that, as we've talked the last couple of podcasts was some new hires. Um, some of it is we had some job interviews last week, um, just gearing up some strategic moves that we're going to make at the end of the year so that we're positioned better for 2021 to create the kind of media that I want to create. Yeah. So it, that's frustrating. Like I I'm sitting here sitting on videos and things that I know I could be editing. I know I could be doing all these photos and I'm, I'm just like right there with the sales team, you know, getting through the processes, getting pieces in place. Um, so I, I find myself in this current phase wearing, you know, I'm back to wearing five or six hats. Uh, that's how I felt recently. I, I've, it's been a while since I've had to work nights um, and work nights like consistently. And it's been a while since I've had to put time in helping pack and ship and, you know, it's just, but yeah, I I felt the same way the last couple of weeks. Just it's been a while since I've had to do some of these things. I've been being built a handful of Neomags and just, you know, getting back to the helping where, where we need help and the real question though is did you remember how to build the neomags oh man i'm st- i'm still a whiz at building neomags <laughs> i no, i feel like oops, go ahead no it, 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 it's been a while since i've i've bent clips too but it, it's kind of like riding a bike once you once you get back back on it you just take off i just can't imagine if i went down to mark and said hey mark i'm gonna help you ship today he'd be like oh get the heck out of here <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny yeah because i you know it's not that so here's here's a fun reality and this is kind of a reality check as a business owner i haven't packed targets in i don't know two and a half years and when you think about that do i know how to pack a target absolutely like obviously i can put target components in a box however in that time frame Mark has overse- he's been overseeing that entire process. He has been coming up with SOPs. He has his lists and charts and things that he keeps track of. So the reality is if I jumped in there to box, I would probably not meet SOP. All right. And it, it's weird to me to think of that um, just because there was a time when, you know, I was packing – boxes at the wee hours of the morning i was cutting tubes down in the shop on our bandsaw yep. was welding bases and things like that and that time has passed but well i mean yeah it it, it was it was kind of weird and even kind of neat i walked out there and i'm like i'm asking nay i'm asking our shop manager what to do I'm like you know how do you want this done how do you want that done because I, I don't want to just want to assume because i'm i'm assuming that he's that he's got his you know his SOPs, you say. So it, it was, it was kind of neat to step into a different department that I haven't been in a while and then 
and then ask what they want me to do. But, uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes you get, you have to do that. I mean, at some of the, the past businesses that I worked on, I was an engineer there, but, but when, when it was time to pack and ship a, a big order, like a lot of us office, office people were, were out in the shop helping fold boxes and pack stuff. And it's just, that's what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking about it. You always think you're not going to be the boss or the owner that is going to be the stereotypical owner that doesn't know the process or doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the businesses where an owner or the boss might come in and try to dictate things, but they obviously don't know what, right. what the actual best moves are. And it's just a blind side that I've, that I've seen that I have to pay attention to is that, you know, I'm good at not micromanaging. That's not my personality. I don't, you know, I would much rather just drop something on someone's lap and then give them instruction, let them go. I, I just, I don't like being micromanaged and I don't like micromanaging. So that's not something I'd really have to watch out for, but just making sure that as this thing grows, that I at least have a handle on what's going on. I, I don't need, you know, I like the fact that we have people on our team now that can make certain decisions without me having to come in and say, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. You know, I don't, right. I don't want to be getting texts all day, getting simple questions that with the right people in place, they should be able to answer. But the reality is I've just been removed from some of those processes. I just need to keep paying attention to it. Yeah, and that's, so I actually had this, talk with the guys here is and and that you know, there have been a couple slip ups and there have been some uh, some issues and thankfully we caught them early enough that they weren't going to end up being a problem but they were something that we had to uh, you know you, you take a, a few quick actions to to stop and fix and really kind of what I learned from it was um like you, I don't want to micromanage and, but there's a fine line between, well, I don't even know if it's a fine line, but there's a line between micromanaging and managing. And what I took away from is that I've not done a great job of managing. You know, um, I've hired these guys to, to take over and I've very happily just handed the keys off and walked away. Yep. And the problem with that, and that's, and that's great and all, but the problem is I, I did not do a great job of training. I didn't, I didn't do a great job of, of keeping track of things and asking questions about where things are. And, and, you know, some of that sounds like micromanaging, but, but there's also, especially for people in new positions, um, telling somebody to do something or even, even maybe explaining how to do it once may not be enough. You know, you, you may have to, uh, you know, stick around and make sure that it's done to how you, you, you want it done. And, um, so there's just, that's, that's been what I've taken away from it. You know, we had some conversations of what, of, of what the issues were and, and what, and what needs to be done to, to fix it. So it doesn't happen again. And 
there was also just a part of me saying, you know what, I, I, I take, I, I take responsibility for this too. And so as much as I just want to keep focusing on my job, which is moving forward, like, you know, you know, I have like two two projects on my desk right right here that I'm looking at of, of things that I want to work on. As much as I want to do that, I also need to stay in the here and now and make sure that my company is being run how I want it to be run. And so And one of the things that I started doing because I had I had the exact same experience. So we've obviously added quite a few people to our team over the last year. And one of the things that I typically do when I find somebody is just give them the all access pass and let them run. And what I found from some really, there's some really, uh, there's definitely friction early in the year, stuff you and I talked about a lot. And some of it was a result of that. And so what we've done with newer team members is intentionally, I don't want to say holding them back, but it, giving them steps to grow into the position's maximum authority, if that makes sense. So that there's time to understand the position, understand the tasks, understand the SOPs, what our expectations are, make sure they understand their job description before you just throw them a key, you know, throw them the keys to their ride and say, go. And the clarity that we've gotten from that is great. You know, we, it, the, the amount of communication that comes out of that is, is pretty awesome too, but yeah, it's just things that, things that we're constantly learning. The obvious, it's obvious to say, oh yeah, well you should definitely really thoroughly explain someone's job position. That's a given, but when you're hiring, you know, your first employees or whatever, you're not necessarily thinking all the time of all the what ifs, you know what I mean? Like you don't have the experience or the background to know all the pitfalls. And as you learn, you know, you learn as you go and then you adapt. And that's just one of the ways that from my seat that I have complete control over is the communication line and, and making sure that our team understands who does what, why, and when. But that's, you know, I, Essentially, my job load has quickly become more of a CEO position than a marketing position. I guess is what um, is where I'm going at that because I'm not I'm not involved in process anymore. I'm not involved at this moment in trying to create new media. Now we do have a a gentleman that I think will be starting. From my gut feeling, we'll have him on board shortly. I think so. If he's listening to the podcast, uh, you should definitely jump on board. <laughs> but I'm just going to be waiting for his answer to see if, uh, if that's a possibility. And if that happens, then we'll have another person on our marketing team. And uh, again, I'll be less, less micromanaging the actual minute tasks and more guiding the ship and making sure they know the ultimate goal um, and guiding them to achieve the result that we're looking for. Yes. Yes. We did talk last week about, about, uh, about coming up with job descriptions for, for, for people and being clear in that. And I think, 
like you said, you know, you have to be clear on the, on the what, but I think, I think one of the things that, that we can't neglect is the how, you know, it, it, just telling somebody the what doesn't really help. And I can think in the past, I've been put into job positions where I was just told what, and then they were upset at me when it wasn't done how they wanted it to, and they never actually took the time to truly show me how. And so, you know, I think we have to ask ourselves just as, as managers, you know, how we're going to help manage and set up, set up our employees for success. You know, are we setting them up so that they're going to be successful? Or are we setting them up so we hope that they're going to be successful? And there's a big difference there. Yeah. I mean, the, the ultimate accountability lands on us, you know, like ultimately there could be a person that you hire that you do all the things right. And then you end up having to let them go. They're not a good fit, whatever. But the accountability for making sure that we put all the pieces in place for that person lands on us. And, and a lot of that, I think I just, I mean, I, I can't overstate how much better I know our team and how much less, how few issues you have when an owner is clearly communicating expectations and, uh, and following through with each individual person. Um, it's definitely something I'm still learning. You know, I'm not professing to be a, you know, I dropped the ball on that a lot, but it's just the importance of it. I am definitely seeing when we get it right. It, things go smooth. We have less issues. Um, drama like I hate drama I just I try at all costs to avoid drama and usually clear communication people being bought into the mission having an understanding of how their role is important and how it helps the company all can help eliminate all that drama I think you guys over there love drama oh yeah we love to find ways to create drama yeah, I bet. I bet you let Dusty free on the drama train. He is the drama train. Well, he's is he the only millennial? No. 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 I think, yeah, because I'm just barely technically a bit of a millennial. No. <laughs> I'm just barely not a millennial, so <laughs> it, pretty much everybody else is here. Okay, is okay boomer. Definitely. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't. I don't think my parents are boomers. It's hilarious. So I, I had. Oh, who did I see say? I saw somebody say this on Facebook, and I thought it was the funniest thing. So they're my age, and I guess they were helping out with a youth group or something like that. And they like they reiterated or reinforced a rule that was part of the rules for the, all these kids that were playing around. And I guess one of the kids was very unimpressed by the strict you know, person of my age reinforcing rules. And they said, okay, boomer. <laughs> it's like when 12 year olds are calling us boomers, ah, what a world. So, so boomers were born according to this article between 1946 and 1964. Yes. Yeah, so my dad is, a, my dad is a boomer. I'm Gen X. How do you feel to be, how do you feel to be Gen X? Gen X is one of the best gens. 
Oh yeah, that's what all the old There's people say. Literally nothing negative you could say about Gen Xers. Uh, we are uh, we are a perfection in every way. I'd say Gen Xers are cocky. What? <laughs> uh, I never understood the whole generation thing. It's just such bull crap, and they change it all the time. You, depending on what you look at, you've got one that says 1985 to 94. Well, that's yeah, because it, like, because according to this one that I'm looking at, this does say it says born in between 1980 and 1994 is a millennial. That doesn't seem. And then Gen Z is 96 to 2015. Why would it end? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, that doesn't make how any it, sense. How does it end? When do you say this generation's over? Whatever they produce from this point forward is this generation. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. There's a whole article here. I can, it breaks down everything I can send to you. Uh, see, I don't care that much either. You know what? Keep it. You keep it. Okay. I don't need it. Fine. Figures you millennials don't just make up your own rules anyway. We don't appreciate authority. It's true. Which is partially true, which is why here I am. I mean, that's that's not a new thing, though, for any any, uh, generation. Let me ask you this. So do you think – this is something I've I've thought about a lot, and I don't know the answer to it. There's traits of the millennial generation that I wonder, are there more business owners coming out of okay, like which generation and the mindset in general, just again, like you can't put everybody in one box. It's part of why I hate these terms, but it would be interesting to take and look at the society's culture from each generation and then who became or, or what percentage of people actually out of that grew into successful business owners? Because um, there, there's aspects of my generation that have phenomenal traits of, you know, taking on tasks and, and spearheading innovation and all kinds of stuff. But then there's also some bad stuff. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it'd be interesting to try to break down what culture looked like and then what the results of it is i don't even know Uh, how you think that would be interesting and you know part of me as one of my first first thoughts was that kind of our current generation and probably like millennial generation or so and honestly probably mine um there is a big push in going to college getting as soon as you hit high school they start talking about how you know, how you have to, you know, crush your SATs and ACTs so you can go so you can go to college and you can get a degree and go get a good job. It's, it's Nowhere did, at least in my school, did anybody talk about uh, starting your own business or anything like that, you know? It was always... Yeah, nobody... Really go get a degree and go get a good, go get a good job. So it'll be interesting to see... Yeah, you know, like which, you know, what generations are have the most starters, and, and I think no matter what, it, it because I think it also partially just comes down to the type of people that you are. 
Yeah, uh, and you you can't group. Just I think no matter what, there's going to be people that are born that have that have the instinct and 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 want to to create something and start something. You know, but the one thing that I've noticed, like when I think of older generations, I think I think one thing that we got kind of right as we're moving forward and maybe I'll change my mind on this, but I don't know, but just off the top of my head, one of the things is people, I know statistically speaking, a lot of people are miserable in their jobs still. I mean, the large majority of people don't really truly enjoy what they're doing, but there's at least societal conversation about doing something you love. And that's why I think a lot of parents and teachers pressure their kids to go to college because they're trying to, you know, it, I don't think their intentions are bad. I think that they're trying to encourage their kids to go do something different that hopefully they enjoy forever. So like, I, I think back to my grandparents and even my parents and conversations that they had with me growing up about working and money and stuff and, and their generations, I think were way, way more, accepting of doing a job you hate as like a necessary evil you know you, you need to make money you take care of your family do you do whatever it takes which is true but that's why like i would love to try to quantify because i'm kind of a numbers guy i would love to quantify it and just look at the data but then i'm also overwhelmed by data so i would probably just glance at the data Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. There you go, buddy. That's some homework for you. No. Uh, let it be known to the world of Forging the Journey listeners, I am not going to start compiling data on that. Yeah, I don't have time for that either. Somebody I mean, else listening wants to do that. Let tell you know. what What I'll do is I'll put up a poll on my Instagram because that's <laughs> super scientific. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love doing polls, though. It's so much fun. And I like doing the questions too, but the problem is if, if you do questions, I'm super prone to getting totally sidetracked and forgetting that I did questions and uh, it doesn't show up good then. So, um, so a little update from here. We are getting closer to shop expansion 2020. Um, airlines are pretty much all done. Uh, we are going to probably run the electric for the, for the CNCs. I'm hoping next week um, we're, we're meet with the landlord over there. Cause we're, we're contemplating, you know, there's some carpet, there's like, there's carpet and down the main, main hallway and in the offices. And uh, they gutted out the bathrooms, redid the bathrooms and they put this really nice, cool uh, hardwood looking. I mean, it's vinyl strip basically, but it looks like hardwood floor. And just looks really nice. And we're like, well, now the bathroom looks so much nicer than the main hallway and foyer. So we're we're meeting with him talking about about trying to put the the same flooring out there. And it just snowballed into a whole bunch more work, you know? Like you peel up carpet and now you got glue, and then you've got uh you like it. There's edging and stuff, and and really the question came down to am I willing to spend more of my nights out here working on what's essentially someone else's building. So that's the other thing that, that I was trying to keep in mind. Like, yeah, I want a really nice place to work and some place to be proud of, but it's also not my building. So 
I'm not, yeah. sure, I'm not sure how much work I want to put into that. There's something powerful about having a space that's yours. Right. Like as far as not even if you own it, I'm not even necessarily saying that I'm saying taking a space where you spend a ton of time and making it your own is important. Yeah. I love it. Like I love turning the office that I'm sitting in right now was an awful looking office and I made it look awesome. And now I'm sad that less than a year later, I'm moving out of it. And my new office is about I don't know, probably at least twice the size. And I really don't want to do the same thing in there because this was a lot of work. Uh, so I want it to be just as cool, but I'm not going to do all the same thing. So I got to figure that out, but we're getting closer. We're getting really excited. We've actually already started kind of putting stuff in the shop space out there because we're just, we're bursting at the seams here and we just have boxes everywhere. We have, we have a truck shipment coming probably today or tomorrow with skids full of stuff that we have nowhere to put. Good. So, yeah. That's exactly what you need. Right. It is though. It is. So that's exciting. So did just, you, you, you know, the real quick, the, yep. the biggest question is, did you remember to add my master suite in the office area? Like you, uh, you know, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Well, that's what, that was part of the agreement with the landlord. I put um, you in the, I made, I made it on your behalf. So I need at least 300 square feet. Mm -hmm. I need a bathroom toilet. The lid on the toilet needs to be like, the slow close kind so i don't slam it right of course um you know i prefer 38 inch tall sinks mm. um, over the the 40 42 you know uh yeah so all of those accommodations are for when i come out to ohio sure so i've got the back of a box truck and a bucket for you i i'll even give you a roll of toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> well that was a commodity back you know three months ago yeah, you could have sold that for a million dollars. Uh, I paid big money for that roll of toilet paper. I bet you did. I had to kill somebody. That really got carried did away. Did you really? That escalated quickly. That escalated. It was a pitchfork. So you're holding a speaker in your hand, and you said last episode was gold, and I'm I'm really scared. So I accidentally came across something that uh, I just about crashed my Jeep when I heard this. <laughs> oh no! And then I played it for Dusty. And he nearly peed his pants. <laughs> is it me? This. It is us. It's this us. Is, so let me just play this for you. I hope, I hope it sounds okay. It's, it's a we need to, okay, for future reference, we need to figure out how to play audio through this. Yeah. There's got to be a way. We need there to figure is, it out. There is, but it just it costs a lot of money. And not, our podcast doesn't, our podcast costs us money. I don't want it to cost us any more money. All right. This is us from last week. Dancing is just moving. Hips are moving. Dancing is just wiggling the rhythm. <laughs> rhythmic wiggling. <laughs> Dancing is rhythmic wiggling. <laughs> it's true. This is all it is. I, I don't think that is true. It keeps getting better. I just want to keep playing. Ask Dusty. Ask Dusty. Let's pull Dusty in. So this is us at half speed. Uh, <laughs> Was I drunk? It's, us that's, at, it's what it sounds like, right? right? Well, you sound stoned and I sound drunk. <laughs> if you put 
I encourage everybody to go back to last week's podcast. Go to approximately, oh, what's the timestamp on it? There's about 25 minutes left in the podcast and put it on half speed and listen to it. It is hilarious. <laughs> uh, we're not responsible if you crash your car. No. Or know. if you hurt some other people. So do it in a responsible area. So my youngest daughter goes to dance classes. None of the classes are named rhythmic wiggling classes. <laughs> Our laugh in slow motion. Just the way, for some reason, how I talk, I sound even more slurred. Like your voice doesn't doesn't sound as slurred as mine does. Must be just how I pronounce my s's. It comes across a lot more slurred when it's slowed down. But that's hilarious. It is. (laughs) Oh man. <laughs> so that's it. I don't care. You make fun of it. I will rhythmically wiggle. Jared's Jer- going rhythmic wiggling anytime he hears music. Option. <laughs> uh, you it's do just something. enough that you wonder if I have like intestinal issues. Or if I'm actually dancing, like, I'm, I'm gonna go sing. I feel like you're gonna yeah, go uh, sing. Uh, no, I'm, I'm gonna go singing because I can <laughs> sing. But I would like to. I, I would like to be a good dancer. <laughs> I feel like when I get to a wedding and maybe. I've, <laughs> Had a couple cocktails. <laughs> but really, I'm just you feel to... like you got moves, but what you're doing is really, I'm just trying to make wiggling. <laughs> really, I'm just trying to keep up with those around me who are good <laughs> I, I try to mimic their moves. Oh my gosh. I just, I, 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 um, I just want to keep playing it because it keeps. Uh... <laughs> honestly, honestly, it keeps getting better. I wish I had the time to like chop up all the best parts and make a best. So it, it takes a a one hour podcast, turns it into a two hour podcast, and it's a health and safety violation. For two hours, it turns into two hours of podcast gold. I recommend everybody <laughs> go back and listen to it. In fact, I might go back and start listening to every podcast from the beginning in half speed. Why did we name it Forging the Journey? It should have been like stoned on the journey or something. Yeah, or stumbling on the journey. <laughs> you know, we always face plan forward, so we just do it in slow-mo and we sound drunk and high, and and that's what people do, I guess, to own businesses and succeed. I guess. We weren't supposed to tell people the secret. No, at least not now. Supposed to, to drag that's, them along a little longer. That's a, that's a joke for people that are listening. Well, now I have to play that part back in slow motion, too. That's a joke for all people <laughs> listening. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was hilarious. It's funny because I've I've heard of people actually listening to podcasts in like one and a half times. You know, speed up a little bit so you get through podcasts a little quicker, and it's not it's not crazy difficult to listen to. I think you know if you speed it up a little bit. Uh, so it's kind of counterproductive to make our podcast twice as long but 
yeah, it's worth I it. I know people do that with Audible. They speed up the book, and I I tried it at one point, but I don't know if I have like ADD or something. I feel like that would like, create ADD if you didn't it, have it. It does because I'm like I'm thinking, wow, this is way too fast. Their voice doesn't sound normal. Why do they sound like that? Why are they talking so like my? That's what my brain's doing, and I'm not paying attention to anything they're saying at that point. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how people do it, but you know, at least the slowed down version, you get a good laugh. Yeah, this is funny. I would love if somebody like screen records it on their story in slow mo and like finds the funniest spot and tags us. Well, and then there's, hold on, let me try something. So 120. So let me try 200, 240. Is this even slower? No, this will be twice as fast. Let's see how oh, this geez. sounds. This is going to sound weird. Sometimes I can pull off, sometimes not so much. But, uh, but it, I feel like your point is that it's quiet, so really, you, know, you, you walk into a Walmart and it's not something but only the people like, in your city of New York are going to see this. But I can imagine a crowd's going to end up, you know, it's like a vetting where you're just a whole circle around you and you're like breaking some on the floor. There's people around you. <clears throat> They're obviously to know what it's about. <laughs> no idea what we're saying. It's definitely funnier, slower. Yeah. No, that was, <clears throat> I got a lot of good feedback from that podcast. A lot of people really enjoyed it and thought it was it was good. And then we had people bummed out that we, you know, we missed a, a week. But that is the nature of what we're doing. I, I just continue to have lists and things that I want to get done, and I just can't. Um, you know, I, um, I'm super impressed, especially now having done a podcast for, for almost two years now. Uh, you know, there's a few podcasts I listen to that they don't miss a week. And that's extremely uh, impressive to me. And, and I wish that I could do the same, but honestly, our, you know, our businesses, our businesses have to come first. And if it's, well, and that's, that's the other thing I realized is there's podcasts that the podcast is their business. Well, yeah, there's that. And if I, if all I did was YouTube and a podcast, I could nail it every single week. Right. If I didn't have a team to manage, if I didn't have, and some of that's an excuse. So like there's, there's time management and I'm not the best time manager all the time. So there's definitely that aspect that if we lock in stone, we could make it happen. But there's also things that are unpredictable and there's just so much because essentially it's like a second business, you know, you're trying to do something totally different. Um, yeah, yeah that's, there's only so much we can do. There's only so much time that we have in a week, especially on a short week. But so. feel free, definitely, to complain to us if uh, if we ever miss one. No, I'm glad you hear that people shoot us a, shoot us a message. Like I said, we got a we got a couple uh, screenshots from people that were sent to the TA Targets Instagram page that had a screenshot of forging the journey. Um, some of them were older, you know, they were just getting into the podcast, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. what little we knew back then exactly so you have this week's icebreak question i do right. have an icebreak question and it's it's definitely a good one so jared what is this week's icebreak question all right so this comes from deep down in my soul where I have this dilemma and the dilemma that I have is a dilemma that many people probably don't have. 
In fact, this question probably doesn't even cross anybody's mind. But over the last couple years, so it, I've had this weird affection for lever action rifles. And years ago, I really liked tactical shotguns. And so this is super, super simple question, and it's applicable to the industry that we're in. Greg, all of your guns disappear. They're gone. <clears throat> you no longer have any long guns. I mean, you can keep a pistol or two, whatever, but it can't be an action. AR pistol. It's like I'm talking a, a <clears throat> pistol pistol. So now you have to choose. <clears throat> Pick any lever action rifle in the world, and that's your only rifle that you can have forever. Mm -hmm. Or you can pick a pump action shotgun. You can't be a double barrel, no skeet guns. We're talking like smooth bore tactical shotgun, pump action, synthetic stock, you know, I guess any pump action that you want. We'll do that. Cause I said any lever action rifle, you can choose the caliber. So what I want to know is what would you choose? What caliber would you choose and why? So for me, this is less about the whole pump action or lever me it kind of comes down to rifle versus shotgun is that is that where you're, you're okay with me going with this i'm okay with you going wherever you think you need to go the reason i chose both of them is they're kind of an outdated platform when it when it comes to you know people are like preparing to protect their family their you know societal chaos things like that disorder most people nowadays aren't thinking lever action rifle or shotgun and so that's why i want to get away from the ar-15 ak's the regular sidearms i just see yeah, I, I think i'll hone in i would disagree like, i see i see instructors doing shotgun classes all the time so i do think lever action is is way is way gone but i don't think shotgun is now here's where i'm probably going to uh Oh, what's the word? I'm going to counter my own thoughts here because I don't use a shotgun for self-defense. Uh, that's where I have my AR and my handgun. So that's my self-defense preference. Now, in your dystopian world or my post-boating accident world that, that you've, you've now placed me in, if I, have, if I have to choose between those, it's going to be shotgun. And there's a few, few reasons why. One is, tell. tell us your reasons. Shotgun is so um, versatile. So yeah, so versatile. Like, <laughs> so if you up. want, if you want buckshot, you can shoot buckshot. If you want single projectile, you can shoot slugs. If you want to even shoot flamethrower loads, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. So, um, and arguably, a pump action is a quicker reload than lever you can and you can stay on target easier with a front to back action versus a versus a lever so there's just there's all kinds of there's all kinds of reasons why i would choose shotgun interesting i knew you'd be a shotgun nerd yeah plus yeah i love shotguns see this is a very difficult question for me it really truly is I don't really know which way I fall. I'll tell you what. So I'm, if I go with my gut instinct, so just off the cuff, not overthinking it, I'm going to take a lever gun. Okay. Was that? The, the reason why 
is because I want accuracy. I want potency, but I want lighter recoil. I want something that's easier to carry ammunition, which I, they're both difficult. You know, let's be honest, carrying effective reloads for either one is going to be difficult. But like if it's end of the world and I need to survive, number one, I don't care about hunting game ethics anymore. Like I'll shoot the, I'll shoot the pheasant on the ground, like with a forty-five seventy. I don't really care if I need to eat. I'm going to cap that thing while it's sitting in its little hole. I don't need to wait till it takes off anymore. Um, you know, I, I, it depends where I would be at, but I think just because I have so much time now with lever action rifles over the last two years, and I have a ton of time now shooting shotguns over the last two years, I would just feel more confident in all scenarios with a lever action rifle. Um, and the one that I would, which you need to go back and choose one now, I guess you don't really have to, but yeah, I'd like, I'd like to know what your caliber is and like some of the specs of this shotgun that you go with. But for me, it would be a 357 is probably the caliber I'd go with. I would have 38 specials loaded in the tube and probably a 20 inch barrel. So I can probably fit 12 to 14 rounds in the tube. Um, and it's very easy to shoot 38 special, very low recoil, you can shoot squirrels, you could shoot groundhogs, whatever, defend yourself, load up 357s if you got deer um, or bigger pests that you got to take care of, and they're very accurate. So it would be 20-inch barrel, something synthetic, probably a LPVO on top, and of course, you know, an IR aiming device for my night vision because <laughs> that's how we roll. <laughs> So I'm going 12 gauge. I knew it. I mean, it's the most you're, popular, popular shotgun around there. There's a small part of me that was like, you're going to say 410. No, if I'm going to go 410. I might as well go a rifle. But now if you were to ask me, so I, I'm trying to get myself to answer lever action rifle. If you were to, if you were to put it between like break action shotgun and lever action, I might go lever action rifle just because of capacity. Right. Um, now with a break action, however, there are, there are companies that make a barrel insert or so you can shoot rifle rounds or, you know, or like, you know, like a revolver round. Um, there are also companies that make rifle and shotgun break action combo guns. So you can have like a rifle round on your bottom and shotgun on your top. So best of both just, worlds just remember though we're talking like only one gun for all scenarios that you could come up with whether that would be you know just shooting an animal to put meat on your table or 10 people rush you and try to attack your business that's why i have nunchucks wow see i feel like dusty would be dangerous with nunchucks oh yeah he would hit himself and others inadvertently minute one would knock himself out <laughs> uh, so you're you're still sticking with shotgun yep that's that's a no-brainer i do i mean yeah, I totally because did. you'd have to have no brain to choose a shotgun so, yeah, <laughs> i agree <laughs> uh, i totally get i mean because if and again if i'm going lever action I'm going like 4570. I'm not going to mess around with it, some dinky little 3327. Yeah, but then it, like I have a 4570. It holds like five rounds and it is brutal to right. shoot. 
Oh, it's yeah. like, holy cow, hang on. Dude, the one day I put like, it was 300 rounds, something like that, 350 oh, rounds of 4570. They were all 300 grain, um, loaded hot. So, like, I my favorite rounds to shoot through my 4570 are, I don't know, how do you, Cellular and below. How, how the heck do you say that? SNB yeah, ammo. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I never, never knew. So that SNB ammo has 405 grain bullets loaded up for the 4570. And it's a little bit slower velocity. It's like, I want to say 1700 feet per second. There's that's still moving for or 1800 feet per second or something. That's like crazy. That. Um, but it's a lot lighter on your shoulder. It's not snappy. The 300 grain out of a 20 inch barrel is supposedly over 2000 feet per second. Wow. And let me tell you, you know what you shot. Yeah. That'll go through nearly anything. That's which is why they're called a brush gun. Cause well, it's for real. Like I, yeah. here's the example. So like I'm working, I'm actually working on my lever action review video for that 4570. I've been working on it for months and I just can't ever seem to get time to finish it. But when I was zeroing that rifle, I did an ammo comparison of five different types of ammo and behind the cardboard target I was using was a literal trench. I have never put 20 rounds down range and dug a trench that was eight inches deep and 20 feet long. Like I I've never had a caliber that keeps pushing through dirt like that 4570. It is unreal. I remember watching, uh, I think it was Iraqi veteran. 8888 watching it on his channel that's probably a couple years ago now but he did it was like a brush gun comparison video or something like that and yeah the 4571 but i I remember him i remember him shooting into like he he set up targets through this thick brush in the woods and he was i remember him standing on the edge of the edge of the field shooting into the brush and still you know it's still hitting target like it going through inch diameter branches and stuff and still staying on on target so it is no joke yeah no joke so if i'm going lever that's what i'm doing the only time the word stopping power should come out of your mouth (laughs) is when we're talking about a 4570 lever gun because i would believe that argument in that scenario you hit you hit animals or something with that and it is going to be devastating and actually, that's one of the rifles I'm going to take deer hunting this year. Oh, yeah. For that reason. I'm going to put an LPVO on it and do what I always do. Find a nice tree, sit down, fall asleep. I wonder if anybody makes – does anybody make a like a shot shell load for 4570? Because that might be my That compromise. actually would be very interesting. I'm going to have to look into that because I bet you – probably It'd probably, it'd probably be like that rat shot stuff. Probably wouldn't be enough to like – bird hunt with or anything i'm looking it up because i'd like to know yeah i guarantee it's just like snake shot or rat shot it'd be like a quarter ounce of of like number 12 shot or something wait a minute they actually hmm. yeah they take a 410 so this dude says he loads up he uses a 410 wad so he uses a 410 plastic cup loads the powder puts that in then the shot and he makes cardboard wads that sit over top of the 4570 case as a youtube it, video it's a straight walled case so you could theoretically 
if you had a tight enough wad in the front, you could make shot loads for it. It'd be like a 410. When we're done here, I'm going to watch this video. There's a YouTube video. 4570 rifle shooting. So next week, we're going to find out. We are going to find out if Greg switches. I just don't think it'd be enough uh, shot to make it really worth anything. But it sounds fun. Next week, we're going to follow this up because I'm on my phone looking at this and it's like, yeah. There are people using... so. What I'm reading here is that you shouldn't put a 410 shotgun shell into a 4570, even though it fits. Um, but I have quite a few forums that I pulled up that they are loading them with 410, essentially 410 wads and pellets and powder inside of the brass case and then using custom uh, little plugs on the end of the case to make it a shot shell. That's crazy. That's fascinating. I feel like that would be so bad on the rifling. Shouldn't. It's just, uh, I have no idea. Like, uh, who knows? Shouldn't. I mean, it's no different than shooting shot out of a rifled shotgun barrel. Really shouldn't do anything. I don't know enough. Well, we kind of anyway. went down a whole ballistics uh, route <laughs> here. This was Forging the Journey Ballistics. Sorry, entrepreneurs. We have totally went off track there. But you get us talking about stuff and we start going down that rabbit hole. So. Hey, spring. Spring. Hey, spring. Let him sing, Jared. Well, it's me singing, so let me sing. In the past and present tense. We don't need two Jareds singing at the same time. You already said last week, you're a dancer. Yet I'm the one with the jingle, Mr. Singer. It's true. How's that work? Because it's hilarious. So bad. All right, buddy. I need to get to work. Yeah, I have a lot to, a lot to do today. Um, we'll talk. Next week, hopefully. Next week's yes. going to be a little crazy, too, here. I know. Uh, For sure. Just plan ahead. All there is to it. Just plan ahead. All right, guys. We appreciate you. We Tune in you next all. week to another episode on Forging the Journey podcast. <clears throat> pew, 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 pew. <clears throat> i slow that one down. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll catch you next all week. Right. Bye.